Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. No teacher should be raising your child. And we get all up in arms. Oh, they took prayer out of school. Can't, can't believe it. It took prayer out of school. So? Did you take prayer out of your home? Do you even pray with them at your home? At the house? We get so upset about that. Don't go after things. I'm just your pastor and trying to help you. Don't go after things at the expense of losing what is most valuable. Can you say an amen, church? Number two, not only coveting possessions, but coveting, you still with me? Coveting position. I think of King Uzziah, 2 Chronicles chapter 26. He was already king, but he wasn't satisfied. And he wanted to be priest. And so he goes into the temple and he starts to, some of y'all know the story, he goes into the temple and he starts to go about doing priestly duties. And the priest, his name was Azariah, he comes in and he says, what are you doing? You see, the priest and the king, those two positions couldn't be occupied by the same person. So Azariah, the priest, comes in and he says, what are you doing? And, and, and Uzziah, he's thinking, I'm king, I can do whatever I want, including being a priest. And the Bible says at that moment he was struck with leprosy and it began to eat his flesh away. Listen, this is what happens when you try to do something that you are not called to do. Stress, ulcers, and burnout. Listen, there's one thing I know. I know what I'm called to do. I know I'm called to teach the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. I know I'm called to pastor people. I love pastoring people. Some of the sheep have sharp teeth, but that's okay. I got a nice big file. I know what I'm called to do, and I know what I'm not called to do. I'm not called in the area of administration. I, was, I am not good with numbers. I was not good in math at school. I wasn't good at anything in school, actually. Is there anyone who was not good in anything in school? Thank you, brother. I know what I'm not called to do. So what I do is I hire somebody who is gifted in those areas and called to do those things and like to do those things. But you don't want to be doing something that God has not called you to do. Point number three, not only coveting position or possession and coveting position number two, but number three and finally, coveting for power. I think of uh, Genesis chapter 3. We all know the story. Satan tempted Eve to eat the forbidden fruit, and he told her she would be like God. Y'all know the story? Yes or no? 
And listen, her desire and coveting of power cut her off from the very thing that was most valuable to her, and that was her relationship with God. Now watch this. In each one of these situations, Eve, Achan, and Uzziah, all of them had already had an allotment of that which would satisfy them. Achan, with the rest of Israel, was on their way to the promised land. Uzziah was the king. He had the whole kingdom. Uh, Eve, well, she had the whole garden, except for one tree. God said, everything. You can have everything except one tree. And isn't it just like our human nature? God says you can have everything except that one thing, and it's that one thing that you want. You know, we do it all the time. Somebody planting new grass. They got new grass. They put a sign up and says, don't walk on the grass. They might even say, please don't walk on the grass. I did it. I'm being honest. I'm in church. I confess my brothers and sisters. I saw the sign there and it said, don't walk on the grass. And I was like, We all do it. It's the thing that God says don't do, the thing that you're not supposed to do, that's the very thing that you do. And this is why, listen, Jesus says we have to beware of covetousness. And listen, I realize that's a hard thing to do in the culture that we live in because folks at Wall Street and Hollyweird, they go out of their way to make you covetous. Do you, do you not know this? Look at TV. They go out of their way. Advertisements, oh, don't, the credit card. One of them, American Express, don't leave home without it. Oh, and everything you need. One commercial was like, everything you need. Go on vacation with this credit card. Everybody takes the credit card. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave home without that 39% interest rate on it either. (laughs) Don't leave home without it. I'm watching TV the other day, and yes, the pastor has a television, okay? Get over it. Some of y'all are like, the pastor got a TV? Did you hear what he said? I saw this commercial. I'm telling you, I kid you not. This guy in this commercial, he was like really, really dorky and just like really dorky kind of guy and average guy or whatever, and... And, and it was a commercial for, I found out the product name is Axe, A-A-X-E, Axe. And some of y'all seen this commercial, and the guy was like really dorky, but then he sprays on this Axe. It's like a body spray for men. And he sprays on the Axe, and he's like spraying. He sprays this stuff on thick. I mean, it's like a thick cloud. It's like, man, what you trying to keep mosquitoes away or what? You know, and he's a thick cloud. And then all of a sudden, when the cloud goes away, all these beautiful girls are surrounding him, all because he sprayed himself down with axe. And they make you think, if you just use this, you're going to get all those girls like that. And girls that look like them. Now, you might get girls, but they might not look like them. Chewing gum. Chewing gum. How in the world do you sexualize chewing gum? 
I'm looking at government. That's right, government, government gum. The Wrigley Spearmint girls, twins, and they put a piece of gum. They want you to think, man, if you had a piece of you eat this gum. You eat this gum, you're going to look like them. And they just take, take a piece of, piece of gum, put it in their mouth, and they just chew in that gum. They're like, I'm glad we don't have DVD. And I'm looking at that going, and no one chews gum like that. People chew gum like this. You take it and go... That's how people chew gum. Nobody chews gum like. And they want you to think now, if you get this gum, you know, you'll be looking like them and attracting the guys and getting all the attention. Hollywood spends millions. Wall Street spends billions of dollars. The Super Bowl. People watch the Super Bowl not only for the game, but for the halftime and for the what? Commercials. The commercials. The halftime this year, they had a band this uh, January. The band was The Who. I'm like, who are they? And then when I looked at them, I went, oh, no wonder they are The Who and not The Now. It was really bad. So, I'm like, who is this? And then the commercials, everybody, why? Because of coveting. They want, they are causing us to be a covetous people. And Christians, we have got to not conform to the things of the world. But the Bible says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the only way to get your mind renewed is to know this book. And when you know this book, you start thinking different. And when you start thinking different, your heart changes. And when your heart changes, your actions will change. But your actions will never change until your heart changes. And your heart will never change until you start getting the garbage out of your head. And don't let the world conform you to his mold. Jesus says, beware of covetousness. Well, really quickly, as we wind up in verses 16 through 21, Jesus, go ahead and peruse it, if you will. Jesus then began to speak a parable. And he said, the real estate of a certain man had increased in value. And the man became rich. If you want to write something in your margin, you write this. This guy had eye disease. He had eye problems. You'll notice there are six eyes and five my's in these verses. Look at verse 17. Are y'all still with me? Are y'all still with me? Look at verse 17. He said, what shall I do? Y'all help me. What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And then in verse 18, he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And what? I will store all my crops and my goods. And then in verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul. Now, you know, you got too much money when you're talking to yourself. His land did too well. He got too much money. You're talking to yourself. I will say to my soul, soul. 
You have enough to last for years. So eat, drink, and be merry. And notice in verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. What I wouldn't do to have a DVD of this. I don't think the Lord said it like this. Fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. I think Jesus probably said, fool. You're a fool. I mean, he didn't like the other, the OL, he didn't even leave that on there. He just said, fool. You're just a fool. You know, look at me. Fool, your soul. No, 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 no. You're just a fool. Why? Because you don't understand that tonight you're going to die. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Lord is not criticizing this man for being rich. God's problem, if you're taking those, write this down, it's huge. God's problem is that this man is full of assumption. He's full of assumption. He's taking great assumption as he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods. First of all, the soul does not possess anything. The soul is the eternal part of a man. And then here's another assumption. He says, I have laid up goods for many years. He's assuming that he has many years. Listen, don't assume you have many years. You don't know what's going to happen to you tonight. I don't care if you're eight or 80. I know sometimes, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old, they think, man, I got plenty of time. I ain't getting saved, getting saved, getting, being a Christian for old folks. I'll wait till I get, get old and then I'll give my life to Christ. You don't know that you're going to get old. You don't know what's going to happen to you today. You don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen to you next week. Don't assume you have next year. Don't assume you have many years. God says you're a fool because you are not considering the fact that tonight your soul is going to be required of you. And then who will this stuff go to? First Timothy, you write this down. First Timothy 6, 7, you came into the world with nothing and you will leave the world with, anybody know? Nothing, honey. You came in the world with nothing, you leave the world with nothing. Four months ago, my granddaughter Lucy was born. She's so cute, I can't stand it. Can't stand it. She was born. You know, when the baby come in the world, everybody drop what they're doing, go to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and she came in the world, and they let us come in. About five minutes after she was in the world, I, I went in. And, I, you know, you see the baby, she's so cute, she's got the little clippy thing on her umbilical cord, and they got her on the hot bed. What they call it, it's the thing. It's the, the heater thing where they keep the baby hot. Incubator. I was going to call it a rotisserie, but it's not. <laughs> I flipped the baby over and let it cook. <laughs> I don't know, it's four services. So, you know... So, you know, and I saw her, and I, lo- and I looked at her. She's so cute, and I looked at her. And the thing that I noticed is what wasn't there. I noticed she had just come in the world, and I noticed there was no shopping bags there, no luggage. She came in the world with nothing, 
And the Bible says you will leave the world with nothing. You know, somebody once said, you never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Is that true? And that's why, listen, I'm not a fan. Now, please take this in the best way. Take it in the best way. I'm not a fan of, you know, some folks like somebody passed away and they, want, they, they leave the gold chain on them and the diamonds on them and, and the bracelet because that's, they loved it and it just, they just look so pretty and everything. And I think that's great, you know, for the, for the services and everybody sees it. But, you know, when they put, put the person in the ground, listen, first of all, understand something. That is not whoever just passed away. That's not them. That's the house they lived in their soul and their spirit has left to go be with the Lord. And if they knew Jesus, if they knew Jesus, that's not them. So don't get caught up into that. But, but I'm not a big fan of leaving all the, the gold and stuff on them. Because listen, ain't nobody going to stand before God with bling bling. Somebody raise their hand if you know that's true. Okay? Ain't nobody standing before God. You ain't going to be standing with a gold chain or you can't take it with you. That's why I believe, listen... Listen, take it off of them. Really, take, I'm, I'm t- take it in the best way now, y'all. Take it off. Cash for gold. <laughs> There's some things that's just, just wrong. That's just wrong. <laughs> I know it's wrong. I'm, I shouldn't even be saying this. This <laughs> is wrong. But, but I'm not a big fan of leaving it because you can't, take, you can't take it with you. You came in the world with nothing and you're leaving the world with nothing. And Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and this is a memory verse for you. I got it on the screen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt and destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, listen, Jesus is saying we need to gather treasures for the world to come. Again, don't misunderstand. There's nothing wrong with having treasures. There's nothing wrong with having money. The question is, does money have you? You know, and you've got two sides of the ch- on, in, in the church. You know, one side teaches God wants you to be rich, and if you aren't rich, you're in sin. Anybody heard that? If you're not rich, you're in sin. That's one side. And then the other side of the church teaches that God wants you so broke that you can't pay attention. Yeah. And God isn't saying, listen, if you're a Christian, you can't be rich. God is saying, if you're a Christian, money cannot be your God. Some of the wealthiest men who ever lived were godly men. Abraham, David, Job, Solomon. Some of the wealthiest men. God isn't saying if you're a Christian, you can't own anything. He is saying if you're a Christian, things can't own you. Somebody once said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. God wants to be a channel, you to be a channel of his resources. And when you're a channel that God can pour through, then he can trust you with money. Some people, God can't trust them with money because they wouldn't know what to do with it if he did give it to them. God wants to be able to give to you so that you can then give to others. Somebody once said this, and I love this quote. They said, you can enjoy your riches or you can employ your riches. 
You can enjoy your riches or you can employ your riches. Jesus says, don't lay up treasures on earth because moth will eat it away, rust will corrode it away, and thieves will steal it away. And if you want something that's enduring, something that's going to last, Jesus is saying, lay up your treasures that are incorruptible, treasures that are going to last. So listen, the question isn't whether you will store up your wealth. The question is, where will you do your banking? Deposits made in the First National Bank of Heaven will not decay and will not disappear. And I leave you with this verse, and you write it down. It's a great verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. It says, where your treasure is, anybody know it? Where your treasure is, your heart is also. God wants people to put their treasure in heaven because he knows that when you give into the kingdom, your heart is going to follow your giving. Notice where Jesus said, he said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. He didn't say, listen to me close. He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be. He says, where you put your treasure, that's where your heart will follow. So if your treasure or your money is in the stock market, that's where your heart will be and you'll be checking the Dow Jones every day. If your treasure is in the kingdom, that's where your heart will follow. God wants your treasure to be in heaven. You want rewards when you get to heaven. You want to live a life here on earth that is sober. You don't need probably half the stuff you got. I got a garage full of stuff that God knows we don't need. We all do. And God is wanting us to be conduits of his goodness and of his uh, provision that he can give to us and we can be a blessing to others. And that's what I want this church to be. We want to be a blessing to other people. You know, from time to time, people come to me and it happens actually fairly regularly. And if you're new here, you should know this. Uh, we don't take up an offering here at Calvary Chapel. You probably guessed that already. We don't take up an offering here at Calvary Chapel. And then from time to time, people come to me after service and they, they, they try to hand me a check. And they say, Pastor, oh, you forgot to take up an offering and try to hand me a check. And um, I am a very spiritual person. So I look at the check and I have to get control of my flesh. And I tell them we you can take the check and you put it in the boxes on the back wall. We don't take up an offering here, and here's why. I don't think it's wrong to take up an offering. At Dorton Arena, we did take up an offering because it's just not practical not to. But here in the church, uh, we don't take an offering because many years ago, God showed me that this was his church and that he was going to provide for it and that I would never, God told me this, God told me this, that you will never have a need for money and you'll never have a need for people. God told me that. And I can tell you, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And I can tell you that, that God has been faithful. We have never had a need for money. We've never, ever in the history of this church collected an offering. We have offering boxes on the back wall. If you give, then you just drop it in the box and that's the end of it. It's between you and the Lord. 
whatever you give. If you don't give, listen, if you don't give, I've told you this before, God's work will not shut down because you didn't write a check. Don't flatter yourself. People are like, well, I'm I'm not going to give a thing. Don't. You don't have to. God's not waiting for you to give so he can continue his work. We're talking about a God who said light be and light was. If he can do that, he can provide for his church and he can provide for his people. And he has done it. And he has done it. So we leave the boxes on the back wall. And if you want to leave something, that's great. Understand something. You leave it, you do it cheerfully. When you give, you give cheerfully. You should write that check and say, you know what, Lord, this is not enough. I wish I had more to give you. That should be the heart as a cheerful giver. God does not want your money. I have told people, if you've ever given to this church and you have felt compelled or you've grudgingly given, then you know what? You talk to Nelson, who is our administrative guy, oversees the money, and Nelson will write you a check from his own account. He will give it all <laughs> Nelson will, no, because we don't, want, we don't want people to give because they feel like they have to give, and if they don't give, they're not going to please God. Listen, God's work will go on with you or without you. God's work will go on without me. God. Look, contrary to popular opinion, God does not need your money. He does not need it. Now, can he use it? Yep. Would he like for you to give it? Yep. Is it like really blessing him that you give money? Nope. God's not going, oh, thank you so much for giving. That's not God. God's not so happy that you're giving. God gives you the privilege to invest in his kingdom. It's a blessing for you, not for him. He can look, if he can say light be light was, he don't need your check. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.